Hello everyone, I am Tara from A Gen Z's Take. Here's presenting Inspiring Tales of Unwavering Determination, A Gen Z's Take in conversation with Adrija Jana. It's a great pleasure to be interviewing the incredibly intelligent and keen activist Adrija Jana. My co-founder and I were delighted to have her feature on our website, A Gen Z's Take, about her knowledge and passion for important topics such as the issue of period poverty and period stigma, as well as climate change, international relations, and educational equity. Our nonprofit organization loves interacting with the young creatives and activists who are building our future and changing the world for the better. In this interview, we will present our questions to Adrija and focus on our work as an advocate. We're delighted to have you on our page, Adrija. Various topics of your interest that you shared with us were education equity, period poverty, migration, international relations, and climate change. Could you take us through them and explain why they're important to you? Greetings. I am Adrija Jana, and I'm delighted to be connecting with a Gen Z stake. Thank you for your question. So, when it comes to education equity, it basically means fairness and equal opportunity in education. That is to say, No matter what your background, gender, or any aspect of your identity is, you must get as much exposure and opportunity to progress in the field of education as the next person. Education equity is important to me as I have seen education totally transforming the lives of people while a lack of education pushing potential talents into darkness. Period poverty refers to the situation wherein menstruators are unable to have access to their period products during their monthly cycle. This can happen due to a lack of finances or stigma or both. This problem is important to me because in India, non-recognition of this problem has become a detriment to the progress of many menstruators, especially girls. Migration and international relations are related, but they are not the same. International relations refers to the relationship that is shared by different countries and international migration is the movement of people from one country to another. These issues are important to me because I have come to realize that these can decide not only the fate of individuals but of countries as well and can also start or prevent wars. Climate change I believe is a topic that everyone will have an idea of even if I do not introduce it. It is that urgent. Climate change refers to a change in temperatures and weather pattern on the world. When this change or shift is natural, there is a balance. However, when it happens because of human activities, that is where the problem begins. It is important to me because like the rest of the world, India is also acutely facing the impact of the climate change crisis. Are these topics intersectional? What do they have in common and what are issues unique to each topic? Yes, I believe that on some level these issues are intersectional and the most obvious common element is human action. Talk about education inequity, it is us who have created privileges in the society. Period poverty, it is us who have kept the stigma alive. Migration and international relations issues are based off of our attitudes and climate change is largely a result of the activities that we choose to undertake. Looking at it the other way, lack of access to education leads to lack of awareness, which in turn gives rise to stigma, volatile attitudes towards different communities, and also leads people to take actions that lead to pollution of the environment. As you can see, they are all interrelated, but the same approach will not work for all of them, because they have different root causes and implications. While we can definitely start with education and spreading awareness, eventually we will need to branch out and take recourse to specialized approaches. Do you have personal experience tied to any of these subjects? 
Yes, I do have a few personal experiences. Period poverty stems from period stigma and I have experienced that firsthand. In India, it is still a taboo to talk about menstruation openly. That is how we are brought up. So, when I reached my puberty, my mother was very reluctant to explain to me how and why changes were happening in my body. She only taught me how to use a sanitary napkin. I had vague explanations from my friends, but much of it was just speculation, which caused me to be scared and anxious. It was finally in grade 8 that I came to know about everything clearly. Such is the situation with many young girls in India even today. Many families are reluctant to spend on menstrual hygiene and period products, which in turn gives rise to period poverty. With regard to migration, the experience comes from my maternal grandmother. My country, India, was partitioned into India and Pakistan on the basis of religion in 1947. About two decades later, Pakistan was again partitioned into Pakistan and Bangladesh on the basis of cultural differences. At that time, Bangladesh saw religious violence, destruction, and large-scale massacre. My grandmother remembers how she had to flee to India with her family at the tender age of five and the difficulties they had to face after migrating to a foreign land with no connections. They had to live in poverty, and even as a bright child, she had no access to education. She almost lost her father in the violence, and the horror stories of that period can make anyone's blood run cold. What can people do to advocate for these issues? What are your methods for advocating? As I mentioned before, the first step is spreading awareness. But that does not mean that we should stop there. Nor is petitioning the government a few times and totally depending upon them enough. The government can only do something when we support it. As is said, be the change you want to see around you. We must believe that change starts with us and it is in our hands to take action. I have tried to take small steps in these fields. I work with a number of NGOs to teach underprivileged children and while teaching them, I encourage them to urge their friends to start attending classes as well if they are not already enrolled in school. At the same time, I encourage my own friends to start teaching in their free time. This basically is an attempt to break the vicious cycle of deprivation from education by creating a positive cycle. When it comes to period poverty, the problem is two-pronged. First, we need to bring about acceptance that menstruation is not a taboo and there is nothing impure about it, and that not just women but members of the LGBTQ community may also menstruate. Secondly, we need to largely improve access to period products. I work with the Period Society to try and approach both these problems. The first by spreading awareness and hosting educational sessions, and the second by helping fundraise and encouraging donations so that we are able to reach out to the worst affected sections of the society. I try to approach the problem of migration through research. By writing papers, conducting interviews and making documentaries, I try to hold up the problems faced by the migrant population in front of the national and international community and to garner support to help them lead a better life. For climate change again, there is a two-step approach. On one hand, I try to minimize the practices that can harm the environment in my own family and encourage my friends, relatives and neighbors to do the same. On the other hand, I attend international conferences to share my ideas and to understand the international community's views on the issue. While it is true that many together can make a greater change than one person alone can, change always begins with the first step, the first word and the first change. 
As long as we take the initiative to kickstart the chain of positive reform, there will be many others who join us. You should start working from the grassroots level and there is something that each one of us can do. The least we can do is show that we care by not turning away when there is an opportunity to take action right in front of us. As you are from India, do you think these issues differ based on location? And what have you observed to be the stance of India in regards to these issues? Yes, I believe that every issue differs based on location, political situation and the social, cultural and historical experiences of people. Educational inequity and climate change might vary in intensity in various places. Period stigma or poverty might not be an issue everywhere and migration problems might differ with the difference in attitude of the local population towards external communities. While India has a long way to go in all these fields, period poverty and climate change need to be most urgently worked upon. Pollution levels in various cities has risen to dangerously high levels and little to no work has been done in the field of period poverty. The other fields have received some attention. You previously emphasized the importance of bringing about acceptance in talking about period stigma. Why is this important and how can we encourage more inclusivity? Menstrual stigma, as I have said, is still not widely recognized. In order to work towards the solution of a problem, we need to first accept that it exists. Only once we realize that period poverty and menstrual stigma are obstacles towards our progress, only then can we wholeheartedly work towards abolishing them. With regard to inclusivity, that again will come eventually with acceptance. Who are your personal icons when it comes to advocating destigmatizing periods? Are there any other Indian activists or groups that you'd like to collaborate with? My personal icons are Sam Locke from the United States of America, who is associated with the worldwide period movement, and the Diana Award-winning Swara Patel from India, who is the founder of the Period Society. If given the opportunity, I would be honored to collaborate with Rupi Kaur, Deepa Khosla, and Nishant Bangera to take forward this movement, as I am very inspired by their work. What is your experience like working with several NGOs about period poverty, such as the Period Society? At the Period Society, we have a sincere and dedicated team where each individual is committed to bringing about reform where the society's outlook on menstruation is concerned and to reducing period poverty. When you get to work with such a close-knit family which is passionate about the same issue that you are passionate about, as I have, there is really nothing to complain about. What is your stance on the problem of overpriced period products in school bathrooms? This, indeed, is a problem. In India, one can get a pack of 8 sanitary napkins for 29 rupees. Thus, the price of each napkin comes to be about 3.5 rupees. However, if you need to get a napkin from your school washroom, especially in private schools, you will be required to pay 6 to 7 rupees on an average. This can put unnecessary pressure on students who are not doing well financially and foregoing the use of pads can affect their menstrual health. The situation is even worse in government schools, where the very availability of these napkins is in question. I believe schools should either have a provision to offer sanitary napkins for free to students or at a much lower cost. This can be achieved at least to some extent through government support or through a fund created by the school for this purpose. Are you aware of any ethically sourced sanitary product businesses such as Peach Pack? 
Yes, I am indeed aware of Peach Pack, which is a sustainable menstrual product and self-care service in the US. A similar up-and-coming brand in India is Sathi Pads. They make natural, compostable and biodegradable pads from bamboo and banana fibers and other such natural components. However, I don't see complete shift from plastic to sustainable period products happening anytime soon in the near future. Sustainable products require greater investment and it will also take time for people to accept them. Also, we must remember that not all products are compatible with all menstruators. The safest option is to consult your gynecologist before you shift to another brand or type of period products. Please stop using the product immediately if it poses any health hazard to you. What are your plans for the future? Do you have any project ideas regarding period activism? I believe that the future of activism, activism in any field, is rooted in research. We are increasingly transitioning into a society that only believes what it can see and what can be proved with hard facts. Being a researcher myself, I would like to approach the problems of menstrual stigma and period poverty through research as well. The findings of such research would become powerful tools for us to convince the people with authority as well as the society at large that this is a real problem obstructing our collective progress and needs to be mitigated at the earliest. Thus, my project idea would be a large-scale research project on the problems faced by menstruators funded by grants from organizations and institutions supporting such projects. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? If not, I'd love to thank you for engaging with our organization. Best of luck on all of your future endeavors. The only thing I would like to say is that the time for indecision and inaction has long passed. It is high time that we work together to bring about the changes that we know the world cannot survive without. This can be achieved through individual agency and collective action. Remember, the power is in our hands. Thank you so much for listening in. We end here.